Lemuel Gonzalez, Repentant Sinner, and along with Amity Armstrong, your heavenly host, I invite you to find a place in the pew for today's Painless Sunday School lesson, Without Works. We have an interesting program for you today. Part history, but mostly her story, as we introduce a new segment about the women of the Bible. First, we start with a joke. The funniest thing I have ever said. It's based on an Old Testament story. Lot, the nephew of Abraham, had separated from his uncle because their flocks had prospered and their servants quarreled. After being kidnapped by rival armies, Lot is never pegged as being particularly bright. He decided to leave behind being a shepherd and live in a city that could provide shelter. This was, unfortunately, the city of Sodom. Sodom was destroyed for wickedness, but Lot and his family, his wife and his daughters, were warned to escape. They were cautioned to flee and not look back. Unfortunately, Lot's wife did, and she was reduced to a pillar of salt. When this story was told to Amity among friends, there was a common complaint that Lot's wife was so insubstantial a character that she isn't even allowed to have a name. To this, Amity replied that her name must have been Pilar. And so we introduce Pillars of Strength. In this segment, we intend to talk about women of faith who stood out in the Judeo-Christian tradition. This week, we will mention a biblical figure who was important but did not have a holiday named after her. Her only benchmark was to give us a popular name, Deborah. Are you referring to somebody specific about the holiday? Yes. Who's that? Uh, this would be Esther. Oh, for Easter? No, Esther. There's a Jewish holiday named after her. Oh, what's it called? Purim. That's not Esther. What is it? No, I'm saying that's not na- oh. like the name is no, different. It's than not the named thing. after her, but it's named because what she did. We Does also... she have a saint's day? Does Deborah have a saint's day? Uh, not that I'm aware of. No. Okay, in the Catholic Church, like every day is a saint's day. Well, I think uh, so. Lots of excuses to eat. <laughs> yes, no, I understand that. So I just wondered if we mm. were gonna. Not as far as I know. No. All right. So is she a saint? No, she's not. Oh well, then she couldn't have a saint's day. The story is found in the book of Judges. This takes place during a period after Moses had brought the tribes of Israel back to their ancestral lands, which were now occupied by many other groups, including the memorable biblical villains from this period, the Philistines. So we're talking Old Testament here. Old Testament. Pre-Jesus. Oh, yes. Yes, very early, before there were even kingdoms of Israel or Judah. Very far back. Oh, geez. During this period, there was no settled government in these reoccupied lands. This was the period of the Judges sometimes powered people who made decisions based on the commandments and divine inspiration. These judges included famous heroes like Gideon or Samson. So is a judge like a king? No. Like the person that's in charge? They didn't believe in kings. And they wouldn't believe in kings. As a matter of fact, there's a... When the shift comes to instituting the first king, there's a great controversy because the judges had done a, a... Fairly good job, although it was a really violent period. But are they a ruler? They're not a ruler. They're They're just like, everybody sort of does what they need to do, and then if there's a dispute, then you go to these like wise persons. Right, yeah. And some of them had, as I said, supernatural powers. Most of them had some form of divine inspiration, but mostly they followed the commandments and the laws, and they meted those out to people. Judgments based on that. Gotcha. And were you elected? I'm not sure exactly how the process was for choosing who a judge was. We just know who they are from their exploits. 
And as I said, they wind up becoming very famous people. When you say judges' exploits, I presume they're naked under their robes. Samson was a lot. Oh. He has Samson of the hairs? Samson of the hairs, yes. He had beautiful flowing hairs. It, he, it was, Until uh, he was, didn't. Well, yes, and that's another story for another time. About and a, a woman, different woman. And a woman who is not so admirable. All right. Let's learn about Deborah so, of the judges. She's Deborah, not a judge. See, she is. She is a judge? She's a judge. You could be a judge as a woman? Yes, absolutely. And that's why we're introducing her today. But you can't to be you. a priest as a woman? No. But you could be a judge as a had to be from a specific family and they had to be men. It had to be from a specific family? Yes, the Levites. Oh, They're from the tribe of Levi. Nobody outside of the tribe of Levi could be a priest. So then they had to go and like break off from their family to just go be priests in different places? No, they, they were. it was the family occupation. You right. could be something else and be a Levite, but you could not be the syllogism, isn't it? But what I'm saying you, is, uh-huh. if, if it's all from one family, and there are multiple no, 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 no. places where people could grow... Maybe I should make it more specific. There's okay. 12 tribes. Yes. Right? And they all started out as heads of family. So right. only Levites, that tribe, were the only tribes allowed to be priests. Do, did every grouping of people, I don't want to say tribes because uh-huh. that's a different meaning now, but like did every village or, or they were nomads, right, even mm-hmm. then? So did every grouping of people have a, a little of each tribe in them? Well, no, generally they stuck to themselves in their own kind of lands, but they... Except the Levite, who had to send one, like if you wanted a priest, you had to be like, right. can and we get one of them? there were sacred spaces and there were altars, but you couldn't offer any of the sacrifices without a Levite. Oh, oh so they would like travel. They mm-hmm. wouldn't just necessarily just right. be it with your group. Well, the judges didn't have to be Levites. They could be right. anybody. And they generally were in one place and everybody came to them. Deborah sat underneath a date palm. A specific date palm? Yes, a specific date palm. It Do was we know where it was? Deborah's date palm. It actually was. She put her name on it, like yes. Lucy from the Peanuts. One thing that we will learn about Deborah is that she was not... She doesn't seem to be frightened of drawing attention to herself. Well, she's a judge. Why would she be frightened right. of that? So we don't know her age at the time the story takes place. We only know that she was a married woman who sometimes receives messages. So she could be 10? No, or 40. She was, well, <laughs> there is also an implication that she might have been a parent by this point. Okay, so, so she's, she could be like 13 to 40. Right. Well, again, <laughs> this is a very long time ago. And yes, no, I know. I'm not making a judgment. Mm-hmm. I'm literally saying that as a, as, if you could be a married mom at the age of 13. Right, you probably could. Mm, so Maybe like 14 then. We only know that she was a married woman who received these messages, and one message was to a man named Barak. I yeah, bet I know, you've never heard that name before. I know that name. Was his name Barack Hussein? No, his name was Barack. <laughs> like Madonna. Right. It just went by one name. And or Deborah. Cher, right. so, <laughs> Deborah doesn't have a last name, even though she's married, so good for her. There was a, well, we know her husband's name, but yeah, she's never referred to through her husband. There was a Canaanite king who had oppressed the Israelite people for 20 years. He had a technological military advantage, 900 iron chariots. Deborah gives Barak a command to gather 10,000 men and meet at Mount Tabor. God would compel Sisera, commander of these charioteers, to the Kishon River. On those muddy banks, the iron chariots would be weighed down and become immobile. So the plan to get this king off of their back is to get them mired in muck. Right. 
Gotcha. He's going to see that an army is amassing somewhere against him. He's going to go to face them, but he's going to be someplace where his iron chariots, which must have been very impressive to Bronze Age people, were not going to do a great deal of good. Gotcha. (laughs) Oddly, Barak was very timid about leading these men into battle and fighting the king's terrible chariots. He agreed only if Deborah agreed to help him. The story doesn't explain why he did this. So we don't know if he was scared or if he was taunting her or if he thought she, he was, she was he sending him to his death. He might have been taunting her because I can picture what happened to be this. Deborah says, the Lord tells me that you have to gather 10,000 people and go to Mount oh, Tabor to start an army. Oh, the judges said that the Lord spoke through them? Yes, I said that earlier. I missed that. And his response was, you go first. I can see that happening. Like, okay, I'll do it if you do it. You know, you're going to sit here under your date palm, and I'm going to be chased by iron chariots. No, your job is to lead armies. My job is to sit under this date palm. Now, Barack, Why do you not understand? Brock, we don't know much about him other than that he must have been some kind of military figure. His name means lightning. Okay. So I'm sure that that meant he had exploits of his own. And so I don't know that it was that he was frightened of them as much as he really didn't believe this woman who sat underneath the tree was suddenly commanding him to fight Do you, well, this military force. That's crazy to me because, A, I assume she didn't come to you. You came to her. So, Well, she right? sent someone out to him. She go, received a message and told him, go get Barack. Oh, okay. So then this woman... Well, uh, he didn't say that. I assumed I, he'd come to her and No, said, no, he didn't. People generally came to her with their up, problems. What's up, kiddo? But she received a message that said, tell oh, Barack this is gotcha. going to happen. All right, just... Okay. All right. All right. So, whatever the reason for the remark, Deborah went with Barak to choose the 10,000 men for this battle and commanded him to go on. The rest is Sunday school material. Barak put General Cicero to flight. There's some things that no Sunday school material should ever include. General Cicero's cavalry is exterminated to a man, and the general himself is killed by a woman in a very gruesome Dario Argento kind of way. Okay, so the is the woman in question Deborah? No, no. This is what happens. So General Sisera brings the king's chariots off to fight Barak. They get mired down in the mud as expected, and they are slaughtered. And the general himself flees. Let me just quickly ask. So this general has also brought what I presume to be a fighting force that would be less good. Because they relied heavily on these Their chariots. technological advantage, yes. Right. So they're not necessarily well-trained. There were foot soldiers versus charioteers, and when charioteers don't have their chariots anymore, they don't they're necessarily have the tactics. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Okay. And they were mired down in mud and rain. Right. And suddenly they were, you know, fell victim to lightning's troops. Right. So, 10,000 men, and right. apparently one woman. And one woman who's giving orders. And so... Cicera, uh, who's the general, yes. escapes, and he winds up, and this is the odd part of the story, finding shelter in a tent. And he asks for a drink of milk from the woman who's tending to the, the, the flocks and asks if he can just rest because, you know, he... You know, I've been running for my life all day. I'm exhausted. <laughs> so Barat comes to look for Cicera to put an end to him, and asked the woman who uh, gave him shelter, because, again, he was asking for hospitality, which is a sacred thing in this part of the world. Right, right. She goes, sure, he's right here. 
and shows him what she did to Cicero when he fell asleep, which is to take a tent peg and drive it through his temples and literally nail him to the ground. Okay, so <laughs> she's cursed, though. Yeah, well, she's broken because the rules. isn't one of the things that'll get you cursed to hurt people who have who have sought shelter that from you? That would be the question I got. Guests? You're not supposed to fuck with guests, and you're certainly not supposed to kill them. Well, and the fact that she killed him in such a gruesome way, that I and remember... And also, how strong is she? Well, she just pulled up a tent peg, and he was asleep, so she put it to his temple, which is the softest part of a person's skull, and just hammered it. That's fine, but he could, like, sh- that first hit had to kill him. Well, yes, it did, and then she just move. kept going until I'm he was stuck. I'm just saying... She's a very strong lady. Oh, I'm sure that she is. This was a time in the world where you didn't survive if you weren't strong. Woof. Okay. All right. So, like all Old Testament stories, this one's very problematic. It suggests that God promotes wicked Canaanite kings to punish wayward Israelites, then sets up the same king and his general for failure as a punishment that he'd laid over the tribes was done. And they pleaded to God for help. So... You're, you, you're reading this as God was telling all the parties what to do. Yes. In so other words, he was betting on red and black, and you didn't know if you well, were red or black. Doing, and this is something that happens when you read the book of Exodus. I'm going to set up Pharaoh, Pharaoh is going to fail, and then you're going to look wonderful. God tells Moses this. And right, so there's but... a lot of that kind of, it, like I said, all Old Testament stories are problematic because the idea of what God is and what he does, or what God does, rather, I won't use the term he, because that's inaccurate, changes over time. Right, but also, like, it seems wild to me that be, to be like, so So did this general think, believe in the same God as the Israelites? No. General Sisera? Yeah. No, he was a Canaanite. But since we believe God is om, omnipresent. Uh-huh. Omniscient, omnipresent. I mean omnipresent this okay. time. Everywhere. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, he's the only God that you could possibly be praying to, whether you mean to or not. And so he was also giving Sisera the... Well, what happens like, is this. I just... <laughs> there, and this is a concept of God that, unless you've been um, familiar with the way that these religions worked, it seems kind of puzzling. In the very beginning, God, Jehovah or Yahweh, or any of the terms that they use for it, because we never know God's actual name. You're never supposed to say it, so there's all sorts He's of... He's got lots of names, and then yes. you're not allowed, as soon as you find out one is yours, so you're not allowed to say your own name anymore. There's a This American Life about that. I well, will link it in the show notes. The way that we know what God's name is is that they produce a word, a sort of surrogate word lacking the proper vowels. Right. Um, so... God in the very beginning is counted in the book of Genesis and very early on is counted as a God among gods. Right. Just the strongest God. Right. So and then, eventually over time he becomes the only God. Right. And all these other gods are... A God among gods makes uh, more sense in a story like this because right. otherwise he's whispering into both sides and you don't know which side is... Right. So you're going to be on until the slaughter is over and you are alive or not. And at the same time... The reason why the Hebrews believed that the other gods didn't exist, or when they had these moments where they had to be punished, was they fell away and started worshipping the local fertility god, or worshipping Baal, or Baal Zebub, or... You're not supposed to say that either. 
Right. Others. So flies, right? Yeah. Beelzebub yeah. was the Lord of the flies. There was God among gods. There was the notion that God was the only true God and the rest of these gods were evil spirits and things that had at some point been cast from heaven. And that evolved into the concept in Christianity and the you know, Judeo Christian tradition that we have now, which is there's God and there's angels and there's all sorts of other beings. Right. But they're lesser right. beings. Um, in this case, uh, what the Israelites were more likely to believe is that God was raising other people up to punish them for their infidelity. And then when they turned and worshipped God, he would then turn and cause the person that he uses the scourge to fail. I don't like this. Well, yes. Uh, it, it also play, presents a picture of God again that is problematic. What it makes it, the stories, then, is a kind of almost like sympathetic magic. Yeah. I'm feeling that I'm being punished, so it must be that God is punishing me. So if I repent, then God comes and rescues me. Well, you hope so, or you just die sad and alone and miserable. So the idea is that God, in the very beginning, God exists, but people don't really understand what God is doing and why. And that's the impression that you get in the book of Judges, because it's a very violent book. Yeah, here's the thing. Uh We'll... We'll put this all hypothetically. All right. If it were true that there was an omniscient, omnipresent being that was sort of in charge of Mm -hmm. the world, we would not be able to understand that thing because we are not omniscient and omnipresent. So, yeah. (laughs) Like, we're... It is not for our frail minds, our frail human minds to understand. The way I always understood it is that God can see around corners and we can't. Oh, he's got mirrors, extra well, mirrors. So Maybe idea, he's got like cuttlefish eyes. The idea is that someone who can understand the past, present, and future will have a very different and very elevated view of things right. that we can't figure out. And that just makes All sense. All of their height is hindsight, and hindsight is twenty twenty. So... Right, so the, it's it often when you read Old Testament stories, it does have the feel that they were rationalizing something that they couldn't understand. Right, they knew it was there, but they were trying to fit it into their history. Right, why did this happen? Why did that happen? Why did we get taken away to Babylon? Because we were wrong, and God was punishing us. Why did we survive Babylon? Because God had mercy on us. Why did we return from Babylon? Because God decided to end His punishment and let us come back. So up until the time where we have this very clear message in Christianity that God then, tired of all this kind of nonsense, I feel like the real answer to all of those questions is capitalism. But (laughs) the answer in Christianity is that then God presents God himself, for lack of a better word, and intervenes in human history to say, that was very nice of you to keep on worshipping all this time, but this is what I actually mean to say. Stop sending out armies to kill people. I'm not raising up people to be destroyed. I love everybody, and you're all my children. That's the concept yeah. in Christianity. Yes, okay, right. So all of the stuff that they sort of blame God for mm-hmm. in the Old Testament could just be like, well, because people can be terrible to other people. Right. That's why this bad stuff happened. Right. They wanted a reason. And they, like now, believe that there is a reason why people are brutal, why people are wicked, whether it's, in this current kind of thinking. Yeah, but it, it does, you're right. right, problematic is the right term for it, because then it's like, well, why were black people enslaved? Well, right. because God doesn't favor 
black people. Well, and this well, is the reason that's why a real shitty thing to say. I'll explain something to you. Um, because you I'm sorry, I said um again. That's fine. I'll explain something to you because you brought that up. There is always two, two people of a particular stripe of Christianity or faith a reason for doing really terrible things. When slavery was in power, there were some religious people, Christian religious people, who believed that it was justified through the scriptures. And this comes right. down to a story about Noah. Noah has three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. These three sons helped him build the ark. And after the flood was over, Noah, who's suffering from some form of PTSD, cultivates a vine, a grapevine, he makes some wine, and he gets himself hammered. Yeah, he was a noted drunk in the Russell Crowe film. I did not watch it. So he gets hammered, and he falls asleep, wandering around the camp naked, but because this was considered shameful to these people, everyone turned away except for one son who looked at him and laughed and laughed and laughed, saying, look, Dad's naked, ha, 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 ha. Naked and drunk and unconscious. Right, All so of when Noah falls over, just falling down drunk, Two of his sons, his good sons, come and but, cover him up, looking backwards the whole time so they don't see his nakedness. However, the one son who laughed at him, Noah wakes up and curses him and his children for generations and generations to be slaves to the other two children. People in the time of slavery use this as a justification saying, well, the reason why black people are slaves they're the son of is they're descended from Ham. Ham, okay. Well, okay, I I thought it was a little n nutty, mm -hmm. for lack of a better term, that uh, in early in the early Mormon Church they thought blackness was the mark of Cain. But I guess that has that's not any not more any odd than this, than this Noah story. And there were people who believed that, and there are very old. Textbooks. And there's no way to know that that is that that's right. just a thing you've decided. Right. It does not say that in the Bible. So there is a no. As a matter of fact, there are black people, black black people in the Bible, not just dark Mediterranean Jews, but actual what we would call Negro people in the Bible. Mm -hmm. The first Christian convert who was a Gentile was a eunuch in the service of Candace, Queen of Ethiopia. Which yeah, is, they were in Ethiopia. There day, was pharaohs. They right. were in Egypt. There were black people in Egypt. To this day, uh, Ethiopia is a predominantly Christian country oh, yeah. in Africa. Also, uh, the wife of Solomon, the songs of Solomon are written about, is a black woman. That's right. And so the standard of beauty all through the Bible is this beautiful, voluptuous black woman, which I find very interesting. Moses' second wife was black. Well, let's talk more about, or uh, let's no, get back, back to, to the, the woman of the uh, hour, Deborah, okay, who so, has been proven right. Right. She has stood in front of this fighting force and, you know, won. Now what? So after this is done, and they've had victory by slaughtering lots of people, Deborah then bursts into song. Oh, good. Classy. Verses of which include... How good she did her job. Oh, so she's a, yes, she's a she, good winner. As I winner, said, is she is not above self-promoting. As a matter of fact, it's even called the Song of Deborah. And she chides Barak by saying, Because you asked for my help and I had to leave my date palm and come here, 
to help you, a woman's going to be remembered as the victory for this, uh, as being victorious in this battle. Now, whether it meant the woman who actually nailed right. the general to the ground, or whether it meant Deborah herself, isn't made clear there. Well, do we know that other woman's name? Yes, we do. Oh, okay. What's her name? Jael. Jael? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a beautiful name. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, good. So, I'm glad that we know her name, too. But Yeah, Jael has a name because she had a really important job, and I, I don't understand. But I'm pretty sure yeah. she was cursed because yes. I don't think that's how you're supposed to treat guests. Like, I think we've talked about that right. before. Now, the reason I bring the story of Deborah up is that it puts a lie to the very fundamentalist idea that women are meant to be quiet and submissive. Because even inside the Old Testament, mm-hmm. which is the most regimented and often quoted book, even beyond the New Testament, which is what we're supposed to be using as Christians, she is not quiet, she is not submissive, she right. takes the lead, she's an authority. We learn that Deborah's not only a wife, she later declares in her song that she's a mother. She's a prophet receiving messages directly from God, the same way that Moses did, the same way like, and she leads a military campaign like Joshua did. So she has all the authority of her male predecessors and less of the egotistical foibles of the men who had also been prophets and failed to do the job. Well, she okay. is a little self-absorbed, but I'm going to argue with that. Uh, she only helped lead the military campaign because the dude asked her to. Right. She didn't have to do that. No, she didn't have to. She didn't to. volunteer to do that. But what I'm saying is that... Even and then when she did do it and she won, she was like, and now you can eat it, Barack. <laughs> Which is... Yes, and I, I appreciate the chicken neck gesture because I believe that probably did happen so, at some point. So... But when you look at the stories of people like Moses and some of the other ones who came before, they were fairly self-absorbed. Right. So on the scale. Right. The scale and anytime people. we look at a woman doing the exact same thing right. as a man does, we always judge them more harshly. Exactly. Hey, patriarchy. But yes, there is nothing submissive. This is, it flies in the face of our image, our patri- patriarchal image of characters in the Old Testament. Because she not only assumed control of the situation, right. I, she did I exactly the, the, the right thing to win this presume battle. presume that they all cover their heads and go to a tent every month. That's mm. what I think about when I, I think about women I, in the Old Testament. You've been misinformed. I also have not even read the Red Tent, so. Uh, they are people who would send, I don't know if this is, if you know about mm-hmm. this, uh, menstruating women. Yes, they, they were, they're unclean, they were, right? So they have to now, go to a separate place. If you read place. the Levitical law, yes, menstruating women are sent separate. Uh, their husbands are not allowed to have sexual relations with them because that was, I think you got stoned for that one. But there were similar rules. Reproduction was a very sacred thing. Mm-hmm. If a man, for instance, according to the Levitical law, had a nocturnal emission. Uh-oh. Which you have night, literally no control of. Which you have literally no control of. You were then declared unclean. Oh, really? And you had to be set apart for a while. D- different tent? I, I'm not Probably sure. I can't a different tent. A different tent. But the <laughs> idea was... Different. There were rules for everything, and they were strict, equally strict for men and women in many cases. Equally strict? Yes, because men could be held responsible. Like a lot of the. To be honest, uh-huh. that's not even true, though, because they, nakedness was unclean, or was, was not. They're not going around nude. Mm-hmm. So you, as a man, have a nocturnal emission. Only you are policing that. Nobody's checking. Well, remember that. The, Meanwhile, I don't. There the, is no sanitary pads. I cannot hide the blood that is very gonna... severe at the time, and sometimes they were very public. So, 
I feel like the rules, especially since they were... Oh, jeez, poor boys. Just 14 to 19. I go live in this tent now because I well, can't do anything. And also that by that point they were married and siring family. That's true. And they were dead by 50. It was yeah. exceptional when a person lived to 60 or 70 years old. So exceptional that people wrote it down. Yeah, there Methuselah goes. Look, didn't lived to be, live to be 900. That happened before. But he probably uh, ended up... It, he probably got to like 100 and they were like, he's 900 years old. Well, also, it depends on whatever system of measurement they were using to count the passage of years. I remember an outline of history, H.G. Wells said they might have mistranslated this and these were their lunar months. And that makes much more sense that right. a person could live to be 900 lunar months or at least more reasonable than 900 years. 900 lunar months, yes. Yeah, yeah. no, that feels closer to right. But uh, and also, and to, that is over ninety or in, almost ninety years old. In so. fundamentalist um, belief, the idea is that human beings were only this way before the flood of Noah, because you don't have these remarkable long uh, spans of longevity after the flood. I Maybe we just understood what years were. <laughs> well, <laughs> we it, were like, oh, remember, these, the old stories are cobbled together from different sources, yeah, no, and we don't true. know where they were from. And a lot of that was on papyrus. We just missing right. whole chunks of it. Yeah, budget. I mean, you, you go figure it out and <laughs> I remember seeing the Dead Sea Scrolls on a tour of uh, the De Young Museum De Young Museum locally and yes there's these long scrolls the script was written end to end mm -hmm. so that there's no telling where the breaks are right so that's another reason why these words yep. get mistranslated a lot and there are just holes well they, the that's why those are all like uh, but they're not what's the no, word no. apocrypha yeah well, some of them are apocrypha, some of them were actual scriptures. Oh, did they get put yes. in? Oh, some okay. Of them got put I in. didn't realize. I thought it, the Dead Sea Scrolls were entirely the, apocrypha. I got to the word eventually. Right. <laughs> they were written by an apocalyptic group that lived in the desert waiting for the end of the world. There's some suspicion that John the Baptist, who we'll later find out more about, which was Jesus' cousin, was cousin. A, a same. So, yes. Okay. That's the story of Deborah. So, Deborah. Deborah, badass lady. Warrior princess. Warrior princess. No, I, I she know. wasn't, though. She was just a general. And like all generals, she didn't actually get her hands dirty. She could sing a mean song at the end. You know, you don't know, because the judges were those kinds of people. I think of how many people, and we'll cover him eventually, how many people Samson kills as a judge. I don't know how many people Samson kills as a judge. I know literally nothing about Samson about other than yes. Hairs. That is too many people. <laughs> right, but we'll talk about him another time. That Yowza. would be women who misbehave in the Bible. Uh, good. Why would you name your child Delilah? I don't know. Oh, hey there, so Delilah. Could there be a song? Don't do that. Don't name your child Delilah. All right. Is that it? That's it. That's it. In our next segment, we're going to talk about the things that have helped us along in our difficult times. Person, piece of good news. A thing that makes everything else better. In the segment, Stand Up and Testify. I said I wasn't going to testify, but I could keep it to myself. Oh, I could keep it to myself. Oh, I could keep it to myself. I said I wasn't going to testify, but I could keep it to myself. What the Lord, the Lord has done for me. I'm going to go really basic here on the stand up and testify. Amen. Like basic. All right. Like a basic B. I'm not going to swear on your podcast. No, don't, don't swear on the podcast. I'm going to discuss the Great British Bake Off or 
if you're in the United States, the Great British Baking Show. Oh, okay. I didn't know there was a difference. There's a difference because uh, in the United States, Pillsbury trademarked really Bake Off. So you cannot use the term Bake Off. Bake Off. Yes, bake that's off. right. Bake Off. Uh, well, you trade bakes. Yes. And your wife doesn't know the difference. Um, <laughs> so, I understand that television doesn't solve anything, but in these times of stress and bad news, sometimes we need comfort, and the entire aesthetic of this show is calming, peace, and supportive joy, and also bread. So, bread. Reality TV can be really, really terrible, so I typically only watch the type of reality TV that could be considered competition, skill competition, or um, talent competition. So typically it's making a thing, making a clothes, making a sculpture, making various arts i missed that show uh, and cooking shows and this show by dint of being british perhaps is the kindest of these there are 12 or 13 this week this year there's a baker's dozen so there's oh. an extra person uh 13 contestants yes we whittle it down there will only be one but in this show kind of like highlander Yes, in Highlander, yes. No <laughs> yes, like Highlander, there can be only one. But no, no okay, decapitations. Only hugs and love and crying and people saying, oh, I'm absolutely gutted, which is like my favorite way of saying that you're deeply hurt by a thing. Uh, I could not tell you what the prize for this show is other than the glass cake stand that they win. There, <laughs> okay, in every other show like this, there's a monologue that's three minutes long of right. the cash and prizes that they're all in it to win. I, I, I presume that there is a cash prize, but I don't think it's very much. They literally, every weekend in the summer, go to a tent and bake some stuff two days for two days and right. then go home for the week and then come back the next weekend and bake some more things. That's it. Uh, I They don't sabotage each other. There was, there was one scandal where somebody used somebody else's ice cream, and then that person was so upset that they binned their dish before it could be judged, and he was voted off, and the judges have... There were like 10,000 fans that were like, this is scandalous and she should be kicked off. And the judges were like, he could have been judged, but he threw his stuff in the bin. Mm. So that's on him. No bad feelings. Everybody is supportive of everybody. The old judges would, um, we find, or the old hosts they're in a new set of hosts now but the old hosts if something terrible was happening on your station and you were upset and crying they would come over to your area and just start swearing like dancing and swearing singing a swearing song so that they wouldn't be aired on television oh they don't want you to be humiliated hi america let's learn some things from the british people please i think that's lovely uh, and also, there is my favorite part, 
is every episode, every single dish that is made by every contestant is drawn in a pen and ink drawing by one of the, he's an artist, obviously, he's on the production team. They were looking for some sort of descriptor when they were describing the food, something that people could look at visually. And he basically draws the idealized version okay. of whatever it is. They're all individual works of art. And he does like, in the first episode, he does 39 of them. And then in every episode subsequent, of course, he does fewer because right. there are a few people. But they're so good and they've been there the whole time. And I want to own one. So if you're looking, I'm sure they're for auctioning them off for me at the end of the program. Yes, yeah, I think that that might be true. Uh, currently, as in currents, the no, not currents. I don't want to talk about currents. <laughs> uh, in we are in September of 2019. Netflix is releasing a new episode every week on Friday of the current running episodes in the UK. This is different. Normally we have to wait several months until they run it all in the UK and then PBS would air it here. But now Netflix owns it, so this is how they are choosing to do it. So it is a great thing to do on a Friday evening after a week of nonsense is suggest watch people bake a thing. If you get all the way through the series, you could start again because they're all so good and you will have forgotten. There are like seven available, seven seasons available here. And also, if you don't want to watch it again, you could bake a thing. You could just go out and buy some butter and flour and sugar and you could bake something. And then that is also nice and relaxing. That's interesting. I, um, I'm going to spoil things by mentioning to you that bread and baking is actually very important to Christianity. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Well, actually, maybe baking in a different way, as long as it's not leavened. But anyhow. They have done unleavened things yeah. as challenges. But yes, bread is at the center of Christianity. But it's, a, it's, a, it's so relaxing, and it's the same formula, the first episode... They do a signature thing, and then they do a technical challenge, which they don't know what it is. And then the second day, um, they do the showstopper piece. And sometimes it's like, the, this year, for I want to say for Cake Week, this year they, they had to make their own childhood birthday cake. Right. Which is like such a fun challenge to do and you really learn a lot about people by giving them that challenge and get, make the the cake that you would have most wanted when you were little okay so oh. i love it it's wonderful so good paul hollywood with his beautiful blue eyes i can't say oregano no he cannot but he can say overworked <laughs> all right that's my thing. What is your thing? What Probably something me, more substantial. Well, it's something different. And I don't know that it is a moral good. Well, it is a moral good. I don't know if it comes from an honest place. Gotcha. Or if it's a bowing to political pressure. However, in the end, it changes the complexion of things. Okay. And that was uh, discovering that Walmart announced that it would reduce its gun and ammunition sales. Mm. 
The tragic part is it took a series of gun assaults mm-hmm. that happened in El Paso and Odessa and Ohio and California. In El Paso, 20 people were, raci- were killed in a racially vo- motivated terrorist act at a Walmart. But the kinds of ammunition that were used in that attack are no longer going to be sold there. The company has also restricted open carry inside the stores themselves. The chain will continue to sell ammunition for like long-barreled rifles and shotguns, but those are hunting tools. They're not going to sell them for military weapons anymore. Right. Um, I am grateful. I I do not shop at Walmart. Uh That is a choice that I have made. But I and I don't live in an open carry state. But I am grateful when any company cracks down on open carry because it is stressful to me to just see somebody with a gun on their hip. It's stressful for me when it's a police officer. It's more stressful for me when it's not a police officer. When I visited Georgia to leave my uh, mom off with my sister, I was surprised to see people wandering around with holsters on their hips. And the fact that the gun, the excuse me, the car I was traveling in, my sister's car, had a handgun with a quick draw release by the steering wheel. Why? Well, because there were a lot of uh, carjackings, and so somehow having a gun makes it easier so that you can save your car but possibly die. I don't know. Uh, it doesn't make just... any sense to me. As a person who's never been part of a gun culture. Also, I don't believe that there are a lot of carjackings when any gun or any car could have a gun in it. That seems unlikely to me, but that's fine. So, the commendable thing is that in spite of fears of a backlash, political and financial, Walmart is curbing their gun sales. Walmart represents only 2% of the gun market, but 20% market share of ammunition sales. Yeah. So this will certainly affect their bottom line, and it's a brave choice. I understand that it's probably less motivated by morality and more to the pressure from groups who are telling them, you know, you can't keep on doing... There yeah. has to be some kind of curbing of the situation. Yeah, I always, thought, so, I always thought it was odd that you could buy both a, a thing to kill an animal and also the already killed animal. In That's the same true. store. Like, I think it's weird I could buy a rifle and a steak in the same place. I think it's odd that you can go and buy just about anything in a Walmart. Yeah. And depending on where you are, Walmart already limited Super the sale. Super centers have, yeah, right. everything. Walmart and I guess Sam's Club is something else they own. Yeah. Um, they eliminated the sale of assault rifles in 2015. And they stopped selling handguns before that everywhere except for Alaska. Okay. But uh, it you have to recognize when a change is being made because you want to promote that kind of change going forward. Right. And so I feel like it is a, a step, and it is going to affect them in some ways. There are right. going to be... The NRA is a very... Well, it may be on its last legs. It so may be on its last help. legs, but it's, a very, it's still a very powerful group. It and is. And so there are things Let's to fear Let's call it from. a terrorist organization. I believe at this point it is. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it was when I was a kid growing up. I don't think that it was. I, think, I think that, that it has that been. I feel like... it targets specific ethnic groups. It targets specific The NRA and the groups. GOP yeah. in the last 15 years have both become domestic terrorist right. groups. So I just want to... Um, I want to praise change when it's being made, and also the fact that the CEO of Walmart wrote a letter to the White House recommending 
further changes be made. They're installing cameras at their gun sales counters to help the police or the FBI to identify somebody who then goes on to commit a criminal act. So they're making positive changes, and so we really should praise those changes when they're made and promote that kind of behavior yeah. for the future. It doesn't mean I'll shop at Walmart because no. it's still exploiting people in third world countries. Yep. However... And people here. Right. <laughs> However, yeah. it is a change for the better, and maybe it'll curb the amazing tide of gun violence. I, I don't understand why... Well, I understand why it's happening now. There's such a, a, a lot of violent rhetoric, and it's becoming normalized behavior to settle issues with a gun. But Yeah, no, and and... There are people right now running for office who are proposing big changes, and the response is always, but change is hard. Yes, but we just, if, but it can be done if we just do it. If we just do it. Right. It won't, unless we start it, it nothing will get changed. No, nothing's going to get changed because people are making money. And so if people are making money, then that's comfortable for them. They have and no if, motivation if after it. Sandy Hook nothing happened, nothing's going to happen. Right. Unless we really push, and we have to really push. So, you know, anywhere else in this world, if Sandy Hook happened, it would have been like Australia, where they right. were just like, nope, you've ruined it for everyone. No one's allowed to have these things anymore. Yeah, no, there's going to be there's going to be a standoff against the Second Amendment, and uh, it might get bloody because the Second Amendment people well, have the guns. And the Constitution, like the Bible, is quoted out of context an awful lot. Yes, correct. It has some of the same issues from some of the same people. No, but this is a good step. It is, is a step, a step in, the in the right, right direction, direction. Yes. which from Walmart, yeah, we got to say it when we can right? because we're not going to say it much. <laughs> Is that everything for yeah, that? that's everything. Already, already. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. If you like it, please subscribe and leave us a review and share it with a friend. We have an internet home, withoutworkspodcast.com. Our show notes, links to stories we talk about, and transcripts for our episodes can be found there. We're also reachable at withoutworkspod at gmail.com, on Twitter at withoutworkspod, and on Facebook at withoutworkspodcast. All that information is on the website as well, so go there and take a look around. I've been Amity, he's been Lemuel, and we urge you to get out there and do something good. Everybody's got a little light under the sun, under the sun, under the sun, under the sun.